Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Tampa Bay Lightning try to even their NHL playoff series with the Bruins tonight at Emily Arena. But were there signs of hope in a 6-2 loss in Game 1? Some people think so. Did Jason Light win the NFL draft? We're going to break down all the Bucks picks today and break up the Rays. They win the series over the Red Sox, but snap an eight-game winning streak with a 4-3 loss on Sunday. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Verstick. Hey, before we get started, we want to welcome back our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You know, it's Mother's Day on Sunday, May 13th, right around the corner. So show mom just how special she is this Mother's Day. Go see our friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. He's there to make this Mother's Day a day she will always remember. Let Andy and his staff help you pick up a special gift. And if you spend over $2,000, Andy is going to include, get this, a free cruise. Yes, that's right, a free cruise for five days, four nights, for two, your choice of cruise lines. Come see Andy for more details. Now, don't walk around in those jewelry stores in the shopping mall this Mother's Day. they got the big overhead, and that means a big price for you. So if you're looking for that perfect Mother's Day gift, go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where you're paying wholesale. They got the best. There's no pressure. He's going to walk in, going to pour you a scotch, ask for Andy. He's going to show you that perfect diamond for your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, Steve, I'm uh, you know trying to follow the NFL draft at One Buck Place over the weekend, especially on Saturday, and I've got at least one, sometimes two eyes peeled to the television set watching the Tampa Bay Lightning. And every time I look up, it's like Boston scoring again. What the hell happened in this game? They got down two to nothing. Then they came back. Then it was three to two. And then it seemed like all, all you know, hell broke loose. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not sure I, I, did, I expected this from them in game one. Well, I don't think they played that bad. And, and you mentioned that in the open that some people didn't think so. I didn't think they played their best game. I didn't think they played great. I, I thought they competed for, for the most part. I thought every mistake they made ended up in the back of their net, including a goal that was waved off based on a penalty, which was the right call. Yeah, um, it was. Um, and one of the goals that the Lightning scored was because Tuka Rask skate broke. And that broke was skate. Have you ever seen that, by the way? No, I've never seen it. No, and breaks, everyone in the uh, press box, to... everyone in the, from Phil Esposito to everybody was like, I've never seen that before. I've seen skaters, you know, skates break, but never the goalie. Um, and he and Tuka Rask was livid. I mean, he threw well, the, he, he threw the to, skate across seemed, the the blade yeah. across the ice. He seemed to think like was he was he trying to um, say that they should have stopped play there because his skate broke? I think that, well, I I don't think anyone knew what they. Should, I mean, if if a if a if a skater breaks a skate, they have to get off the ice themselves. There's no stoppage of play. But right. but you know, but if a skater loses their helmet, they don't stop play either. But if the goalie's helmet comes loose, they stop play. Right. So, but this was a skate. So this you was never a skate, uh, and I, 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 I don't. I guess I don't know the rule book. I assume it was the right call, but I could see where he 
things, hey, I've got an equipment issue, much like my mask or anything else, that you should have blown it dead. He was, before the shot from Circuit Chef, he was trying to get the official's attention. Hey, my skate's got yeah, a Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. You know, and I think he was I trying. mean, it was like he did everything but Tanya Harding and put it up there so the judges could look at it. You know, it was like I expected him to skate over and say, hey, look, man. My skate is off. I got to start over. Where's the music? Start the music again, please. Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I, I guess you shouldn't stop it for that. I mean, that's that's. I mean, the the, the mask is more of a safety issue, and so yeah. I understand that. You know, you got hundred mile an hour pucks flying at you. If your mask is loose, that that's a safety problem. Right. So that makes right. sense why you would stop the play. But but a blade as sharp as that, just kind of hanging out on the ice, is not a safety issue. <laughs> is that what you're telling well, me? Well, I guess. I mean, you're not thinking. I mean, but but him not him his uh, yeah the blade probably is, but his skate his itself isn't a safety issue. The fact right. that you know, I mean, he the fact can't, that he, he can't necessarily mud. move and can't yeah, yeah. can't do that. Yeah. That's a but if if it happened to Brad Marchand or. David Pasternak or anybody for the Lightning, Nikita Kucherov, they don't stop play. You got to get off the ice. So. You got to limp off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so that was a bizarre play, and and you know some people were saying that Tukarash should have got a penalty for that. I'm glad they don't. You know, it, it was an emotional game. He let off some steam there in the playoffs. That's fine. Um, yeah, it'd have been nice to get a, a power play for the Lightning, but um, every mistake the Lightning made ended up in the back of their net. Um, they got a little fancy at times, especially when they got down. They started trying to make a lot of cross-ice passes and stretch passes, which against Boston, you know, if, if you've kind of followed the evolution of the series this year where Boston won three of the four games, but the Lightning seemed to get better in each game. Each time, yeah. Kind of figured out a pattern was go north-south. Those right. cross-ice, long passes back and forth, going backwards. They were going backwards too much. Um, you know, And it and seemed I, like at times, and I, I did watch this part, it seemed like they were waiting, you know what I mean, instead of forcing the action a little bit on defense. They mm-hmm. seem to be on their heels a little bit. Yeah, they were. They were a lot of. There were some of that. A lot of east west, not enough north south. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know that line of Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. Oh my gosh. It's the best line in hockey. I mean, you know, you remember the triplets from a few years ago for the Lightning, which was by far the best line in hockey that year. This line this year is is They're unstoppable. head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, you have to go north south and keep them in their own end. Because they, so they create plays out of nothing. I mean, you know, there's nothing plays. One of the Bergeron goals, it was a nothing play, and all of a sudden they cre- create a glorious scoring chance in front of Vasilevsky. And, and Andre yeah. Vasilevsky, uh, you know, I don't know how he stops any of the shots. And one of them was an empty netter, so he let five goals in. Um, right. There were tip shots. There was point blank. I mean, you know, I don't know what else he could do. Well, you mentioned, I mean, that, that line is, is, is virtually unstoppable. Here's the thing, though. They did outshoot them, for whatever that matters, 36-24. So it was like, to your point, Boston made um, took advantage of almost all their opportunities, you know, to score that, that much on, on so few shots. Uh, and they got really better quality scoring chances than the Lightning did. Although, uh, Tukarask, you said, was phenomenal, right? Tukarask. And there was lots of questions about, you know, how much confidence does Boston have in him going into the series? Um, struggled some during the Toronto series specifically, um, but he, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, you know, so one of the goals was the broken skate. He couldn't even slide over, and he was trying to get the officials' attention anyway. I mean, it's a goal, yeah. but you know, he played he played wonderful. I don't, you know, whatever questions they had, he probably answered them in this game. Um, and yeah. I don't think you'll hear that brought up unless the Lightning start pouring it on this series. Well, it was big for him to win Game Seven in the, in the previous series because he was one in three in Game Sevens, um, you know, and that was sort of his sort of his albatross. But he got past that round, and so now he's here. Here's what I have two questions for you, and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't know it's really too late to blame it on anything. You know, 
generally you thought that ending their first series in five games was a good thing and that, you know, let Boston play hopefully seven games and three overtimes in the last one. Um, but the reality is they ended up taking off six days. Now, when I say taking them off, you know, Cooper had them sweating and practicing and trying to, you know, up-tempo and things like that. But nonetheless, you could argue that maybe they lost a little bit of their edge. you think that was a factor in game one? I don't because I, I think they came out, you know, both teams were kind of feeling each other out the first few minutes, but I, I thought they were skating well. I thought I thought they played a pretty good game. I, it wasn't their best. It wasn't um, – they probably played better in the New Jersey series than they did, but they're facing yeah. stiffer competition too. Um, I, I don't think the layoff had any effect to it. And, and there were some people thought Boston would be tired coming in. That was obvious they won't. There were not. And so the other thing is now what does John Cooper do uh, to counter that uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and uh, Pasternak line? Well, I think he's going to continue to, you know, you want point, uh, the Plot and uh, Tyler Johnson line against them. And, and Plot and Braden Point did not practice on Sunday. Uh, body maintenance days are expected to play Monday night. Um, and you're going to keep Strawman and McDonough on the ice against them as much as possible. But it, it's all about the forechecking and about, you know, when you get the puck north-south. Get the puck out of your zone and go north-south against them. You try to go east-west, you try to go backwards, you're asking for trouble against that line. And apparently that's all they worked on on their uh, their days off was was just exactly that, getting getting the puck out, getting it up and down, you know, north-south, as you said, um, and and doing it at full speed uh, and trying to, you know, trying to simulate uh, game-type conditions during their practice. So they have not... They have not really just uh, slacked off in, in any in any way, shape, or form. I mean, look, they, we know what what's at stake. Um, you said it before. We were talking a little bit before the podcast, and that is that no one's expecting them to sweep this series. They're, they're going to lose a game, and most likely, you know, somewhere along the line, you might lose one at home. You're not going to run through all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals without losing a home game. Uh, but this is as big a game two as there is, just because their history at the TD Center is god awful. Oh, game two is now a very big game. Game one's always important, and you want to you know establish yourself in the series. And of course, you're on home ice, so you want to win game one. But you know, losing game one is not the end of the world. If you lose game two, now you're o two going to TD Garden for two more. That's bad. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, and yeah, and remember, I mean, tough. you know, Washington and Nashville lost their first games at home in their series. Yes, they and did. Sunday, Sunday they both won, and now those series are tied one one. And hockey, more than any other sport, home ice means less than it does in home field advantage in baseball or football or basketball. Now, where you want the home ice advantage is game seven. Game seven. That matters. And, and, and you know, if you get to a game seven, that's when home ice matters more than anything. And now, barring some kind of a, uh, you know, just catching fire, it would appear that this is going to be a longer series, maybe longer than five games, maybe six, maybe seven, and that home ice might come into play. Um, before this one is over, so. I don't. I don't think too many people were predicting less than a six-game series for this series. Right? No, uh, I don't think most, so. Most most are saying six or seven. Probably most saying seven. Really. Um, yeah. You know, these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference playing. You'd like to see this in the Eastern Conference Finals, ideally, but sure. the way the f- playoff format is, and there's no guarantee they would both make it if you had it seated differently. So. Hmm. Well, they'll be back in action, and I think uh, they'll probably come out on fire. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning hosting Game Two at Amelie Arena, and uh, we'll see if they'll see if the boys can get uh, back in this series because they certainly need to do that. I know it was a letdown. A lot of people had high expectations about Saturday. The building was lit, as they say, a lot of energy, and then uh, and it was a game for a while. Uh, I, th- I think the letdown of- was you lost by four goals. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. to walk away from there, even playing as well, you still lost by four goals. 
Right. And John Cooper talked about that, that for all they did well, they they just, you know, they still lost the game and they got to play a lot better. So my weekend uh, since Thursday night was spent, of course, with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the NFL draft. And uh, let me just say that the Bucks had a terrible draft in this respect. It was a total bust. And that is that the damn parrot did nothing. After all this publicity about this parrot, gonna make, did you hear about this, of course, it was everywhere. He was going to make the uh, – uh, the second was a second round pick, I guess. No, not fourth the second round. round. This is the fourth, fourth round, round pick. Yeah, Ronnie Barber made the second round, and Jeff yeah. Garcia bailed on the third round. But that's another Which story. Which they ended up trading up and getting a third round pick. <laughs> they did. He could have been useful, as it turns out. But he got in a he got in a Twitter war with my man Greg Allman, and finally said, "It's not a clown show, dude," and decided to stay home. So, whatever, Jeff Garcia. So they so the parrot this parrot was supposed to be. You know, the the prop sort of everybody had their own thing. Like the 49ers had like, you know, R2-D2 and the Star Wars guys and all this stuff. And so the Bucks were uh, – my expectation at least was that this parrot was either going to A, uh, bring the, you know, bring the card or bring something in it, you know, in its beak uh, that would then be read as their pick. Uh, or, you know, of course, the really special thing was they get the damn thing to actually say the name of the player, which was probably too much to ask. Nonetheless, it turned out just, you know, they're on a pirate ship with a bunch of pirates and this blonde girl, because apparently the parrot, and I'm not making this up, likes blonde women, uh, uh, was just on, on her shoulder and she just read the card. It was like, wait a minute, what, this could have been, a, this could have been a, a statue of it. This could have been a fake parrot for all, for all we, he did. It was disappointing. It really was. I mean, because there was too much hype for it. <laughs> a lot of hype. You can't set the expectations that high and then deliver that. No. Paulie wants a sacker. I needed him to say something like that. I needed him to say that uh, or fly, you know, fly around. Or, or do, even just do a something. go bucks after the pick or something, you know. Yeah, anything, man. You know, next time maybe a minor bird. I don't know. But this this was disappointing. So anyway, we start there. Okay, now when the, when the draft did start, boy, I'm telling you, this uh, looked like it was going to fall even better than it did for Tampa Bay. Um, because first of all, you know, everybody had anticipated, including me, that there might be as many as four quarterbacks going ahead of their pick at number seven. Um, I did not until, you know, Thursday morning didn't see Baker Mayfield as the number one overall pick, a guy that was a walk-on, wins the Heisman Trophy, and is now the top pick in the draft by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, of course, Saquon Barkley went, uh, you know, number two, and things started to fall. Uh, but when they got to number four, that's when it got kind of weird, and it looked like the Bucks made a luck out because – the Cleveland Browns uh, wound up taking Den- Denzel Ward, a cornerback from Ohio State. And that was not a guy that was supposed to be in the top seven. So now you're thinking, well, wait a minute. If somebody starts going up and getting these quarterbacks, you know, the Bucks could be sitting there with Bradley Chubb and or Nelson, uh, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. So it got pretty damn exciting there. So, uh, you know, the, the Jets, of course, uh, you know, went with the quarterback and Sam Darnold. Um, but then when you, by the time you got to, and then Cleveland, of course, with Denzel, but by the time you got to, uh, Denver, they were like, no, 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 no. Bradley Chubb's on the board. We got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Uh, we'll take Chubb. Thank you very much. And so they did with that left Quentin Nelson. So, you know, obviously Indianapolis had a lot of needs and a new GM and you're thinking, well, maybe they get a defensive player here, linebacker, uh, you know, Roquan Smith or something. Maybe they trade out because somebody wants a quarterback, uh, neither of those things happened. They took Quentin Nelson. So that left the Bucs. Um, the way their board was set up, okay, they, they, 
this is from what I understand. They had Chubb as the number one player in the draft for them. They had, um, you know, the Penn State running back, Saquon Barkley, as number two. Uh, and then they had, you know, um, Nelson uh, as as the third guy. Uh, and, and so when you got past that, it was uh, Vita Vea uh, or Derwin James. And they had Vea ahead of James. And so they were okay with either player. So when they got to seven, of course, now Buffalo's calling. And I credit Jason Light that he decided to bend Buffalo over a little bit and make them really cough up more than they wanted to. But remember now, they're going for a quarterback. Okay, they were going for Josh Allen, who was the center of all these rumors, or not rumors, but stories that people put out on the day of the draft about how when he was 15 he had these these uh, racially insensitive tweets and whatnot. Um, but that didn't seem to matter Buffalo, although apparently they got on the phone with him and he cried and whatever before they drafted him. But – um, they wanted to move up and get the big strong arm kid that you know could play in the wind in Buffalo, and so Jason Light got uh, parlayed, you know, moving down five spots from seven to twelve with Buffalo and got two first round picks or second round picks. I'm sorry, that would have been quite a deal. Got two more second round picks in addition to the one he already had, uh, and then later in the draft he parlayed one of those into you know into a uh, into another pick. So. You know, I thought he did a good job, and and and, and then you know the great thing was they were prepared to take Vita Vea at number seven, but they wound up getting him at twelve, and he was the next player, and that's with Derwin James still on the board. Now some people were upset that they took Vea instead of James. Um, James might have fit a bigger need, but they're really impressed with Vea, who's six foot four, three hundred and forty-seven pounds uh, of just massive, you know, push in the middle of their defense play him next to Gerald McCoy at defensive tackle. Um, so now all of a sudden, Steve, you look at this defensive line and what they've done in the offseason, um, you know, getting Jason Pierre-Paul and Benny Curry and Bo Allen and Mitch Unrein, and you still have Gerald and, you you know, you, um, you know, you still got guys coming back from last year and Noah Spence coming up in injury, um, you know, William Golston. So all of a sudden what was a glaring weakness, I think on paper, and again, it's on paper, but these are established guys for the most part, plus uh, an outstanding rookie. I think they've done a hell of a job putting this thing back together. Well, we talked about on Friday how you know Jason Light in his first four years as general manager took one defensive lineman in the first that's it. In, in the first six rounds of the draft. Yeah, that's um, it. He comes out swinging and gets a guy they're willing to take at number seven, but trade back at number twelve. Yeah, and then you add all the free agents they signed in the defensive line this year. Um, they're turning a weakness into. I really a strength a of their strength. team. Uh, you it know, has to be. At worst case, you're saying you know their defensive line is middle of the pack in the NFL at this point. At worst case, right. I believe. Right. Um, Which is a leap from where they were. Absolutely. Yeah. They were one of the worst. Um, they were know, last outside, in Outside sacks. Gerald McCoy, you sit there going, who's going to play any, on any that's other it. team on that line? Now, that's it, man. That's, that's all they had. And uh, I know he's happy, but, um, you know, I mean, this was a team that gave it the most yards in the NFL – had the worst third down percentage in the NFL, um, get, you know, had the fewest sacks in the NFL. The quarterback's rating was one of the highest in the NFL. Well, not only that, you know, but they, they talked about, you know, and some people have complained about some of the defensive linemen they've signed, but, you know, part of the reason they don't get a lot of sacks and a lot of quarterback pressures and hits is that they weren't putting teams in third and long. They weren't nope. stopping the run on first and second down. No, sir. And so weren't. when every third down is short, yeah, it's a lot easier for quarterbacks to stay upright, and and it's going to yeah, be a quicker absolutely. play, and, and you're not going to be able to get that rush. 
That's right. And Vea is a uh, he swallows uh, running backs. He swallows guys uh, with his size. And Heck, he, has he was such a one strong... in high school. I know, and the tape is impressive. I oh. saw it. He can really run. Um, they ran like a five flat forty or five oh one forty or something like that, which is amazing. He's it's funny because I mean he's he's a sweetheart of a guy. He told this great story. Um, you know, uh, he's you know his parents, um, you know, are really. Uh, both from Tonga, they they met over here in the states. They were both immigrants to California. Uh, they met each other here, and uh, he's been back a couple of times. But uh, you know, they didn't have much growing up, and his family lost both their homes in the mortgage crisis, and so they were living in a in a one bed uh, room at a motel a, a Motel Six. And it just so happened that thankfully for them, there was a buffet across the street, and him and his brother. Uh, he used to go over there and the, the, I guess the service staff was, um, understanding that, you know, these, these guys didn't want to go back and sit in a hotel room. So they let them hang out and chill and they would eat there. Of course it's a buffet and then they would stuff a bunch of cookies and things, uh, you know, in a napkin and, and, and take it back to the room for all night. Um, so, and, you know, but it was, he's such a sweetheart of a guy. In fact, when he went to Washington, they had to sort of help him sort of find that switch, you know, that when he played football, he could be a little more, uh, bad, bad spirited, but, uh, he's, uh, he's an impressive dude. And I, I have one concern, a couple of concerns, but one in particular, and that is they now have uh, defensive lineman tackles mostly that go 320, 326, and now 347. And Steve, I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, I know, you know, being Polynesian, all that might be able to handle the heat a little bit. There is nothing. He's grown. He's been in California and in Washington his whole life, and I want to see how a 347 pound dude manages to handle the heat at one o'clock in September at Tampa, at uh, Raymond James. It is not something you can really prepare for. It isn't. But the good thing is now they have the indoor practice facility, so throughout the week you're going to spend a little Keep more time pressure. indoors. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and they plan on having rotation. I mean, this is a copycat league, and it's sort of what Philadelphia Eagles did. So now with all these, you know, defensive tackles that they brought in here, and he just adds to the mix. I think he'll play more than than not, but um, they certainly have fresh bodies they can keep throwing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Going out there. So Vita Vea goes uh, in the first round, and I really liked, to me, as good as Vita Vea may be, and uh, you know, we'll see uh, if he's in the Rookie of the Year voting. But one guy that I think might be is their second pick, and that's Ronald Jones, the running back from USC. What the Bucks have lacked in the, over the last few years at the running back position is explosive runs. You know, it's very hard as an offense, and and they're going to put up, you know, they'll put up their 400 yards again. I mean, Dirk Cutter knows how. Uh, to move the football. But what's hard to do is to move it 13 plays every time you have it. And you need explosive plays. They, they would get them in the passing games at times, but they never got them in the running game, and that's why they averaged 3.7 yards per carry. But Ronald Jones was a home run hitter, has been his whole life. Uh, he's from Texas. Um, you know, at USC, he had, I, I want to say, 11 or 12 runs of 40 or more yards 
Uh, those are big chunk yards. Those are that that makes him Barry Bonds, and uh, and so you know he's going to hit some home runs for him. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you know those averages go from three six to like five yards a carry, and and then then you've got something. So um, I think Jones, uh, the way he can cut back is he's he's explosiveness. Um, not a great receiver only because they didn't use him in that in that way. They they still think he can he can catch the ball. Um, you know, but the Bucks still have Jacquez Rogers for that. They re-signed Charles Sims, who had been out there as a free agent for six weeks. Nobody picked up, and they re-signed him. And then, of course, they still have Peyton Barber. So I've seen how running backs, even in a short sample size, Cadillac Williams, for example, can change a season. I mean, you can just completely change a season with a bunch of good games, especially early on. So I like that pick. And then, you know, they had the other two uh, second-round picks, and they went a need. They had to, They had to get some corners, and they did that. Uh, they get MJ Stewart, who's a corner from uh, North Carolina. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, not not quite six feet. I think he was five eleven or so. Um, the chance that he ends up being sort of a nickel, perhaps. I think we just try Hargraves there, um, but he does sort of fit what what they've had at cornerback. What I really liked about was the next cornerback they got ten picks later, and that's uh, Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Now Davis is somebody they don't have. He is physical. He is six foot one. Um, you know, this is a team full of guys that are five eleven or less. And so even though they got Brent Grimes back and Ryan Smith, uh, we don't know where Hargraves is going to play, probably inside. Um, you know, between you know Stewart and now Davis, who who Davis I think is is going to be able to play zone. He's going to be able to get up on, you know, bigger receivers and just be more physical. So I really like that. And then in the third round, which is a pick they didn't originally have that Jeff Garcia <clears throat> was supposed to make until he got trolled by Greg Gallman and <laughs> decided not to come to the draft, um, the Bucks, uh sort of try to try to relive the Ali Marpet experience. Remember when they got Ali Marpet, um, you know, from a Division three school? Uh, well, this time they used Division two. They can move up a uh, spot to Humboldt State and get Alex Kappa. Who is? Uh, I'll say this. You know the Bucks. Steve have the all hair team. This guy has nice, long, flowing locks. You know, Marpet went with that a little bit last year. Ryan Jensen has crazy hair, so their offensive line needs a shampoo commercial at this point. But Alex Cap Kappa was Kappa was their pick, uh, and we'll see. I mean, he's not you know talked about very well, but apparently the scouts liked him, and and uh, I think he'll be one of those guys that at least gets in a rotation and backs up at guard and. See if he can play another position. Almost through the draft here, uh, the safety from Pitt, Jordan Whitehead. Uh, he's a quip. He is a, a cousin, as a matter of fact, of uh, Darrell Rivas, which is pretty cool. Uh, and so they picked up him, and he's a safety, and he'll he'll start there and uh, compete with Chris Conte and and Keith Tandy, and of course, uh, you know they got Evans back there to play free safety. And then uh, round five, I love this guy, Justin Watson. Not necessarily a need position. I mean, you think of how loaded they are at wide receiver. Uh, but and, and think about this too, Steve. These guys now, the NFL, okay, rarely would put a guy from the Ivy League, you know, in the NFL. In fact, for years and years and years, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was it. And now all of a sudden you have, I believe this is true, um, Tampa Bay Bucks, three Ivy League players, rest of the NFL, zero. I think that's right. Um but you got a guy from Penn in uh, Justin Watson who's a terrific story. He's, uh, he's a fast guy. He can leap out of a building. 
Um, broke every record at Penn. They've been playing football there 140 years. Has every receiving record known to man. Uh, runs a 4-4-2. Just a, uh, just a good quality guy and a good human. His brother um, has cerebral palsy. He talked about what an inspiration he has been in his life. So a neat story there. And then in round six, uh, took a flyer on a guy that had been hurt all year, linebacker from Wisconsin, Jack Sishi. And, uh, you know, he had a torn ACL, I guess, you know, right before the season started a year ago. Uh, and so he didn't get to play. But he's a talent. He says he's ready to go. Um, and so he fell to the sixth round, and they feel like they might have a, a little bit of a diamond in the rough. So, overall, what do you think? I mean, I thought I thought they picked up some needs. I thought they got some interesting guys, and all these guys sort of have a neat story about overcoming adversity and being overlooked and so on and so forth. And I kind of like their draft a little bit. I thought last year Jason Light did a tremendous job in the draft, and you look at the players that, that came out, uh, out there sure. with. I think this has the potential to be a lot better, and it addresses mm-hmm. all their needs. Um, yeah, got some depth at corner, got, got a safety, you know, took the running back, who's a pretty good one. Got offensive linemen, more defensive linemen. More D linemen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think he touched every base. I, I think, I, you know, and I think trading back and getting more picks, I think this it's is brilliant. A, you know, the Bucks were not one or two players away from being a playoff team. Um, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of positions. And, and through a free agency and now through the draft, they've addressed a lot of them. Now we'll see how the guys pan out. But I think this has a chance to be a better draft than last year, and I thought he did very well last year. And I thought last year was, was sort of uh, made because of O.J. Howard falling to them, you know, um, all the way down to, what, 18 or 19. And he was supposed to go in the top 10 for sure, maybe the top five. Uh, it almost happened again. I mean, look, I, and again, Vita Vea may turn out to be – Haloti Naga. I mean, that's what they're hoping for. But if he's not, um, you were so close to a guy in Nelson that I think is going to make a bunch of Pro Bowls and Chubb, who probably will as well. So it could have turned out a lot better. Man, do you, I mean, how often do you think that Jason or anyone thinks about that last pass that Jameis threw against the Saints in the final game that, that would have taken him all the way to number five in the draft where they would have been sure of getting like a Bradley Chubb or a Nelson? Um, how about if Ryan rem- Fitzpatrick doesn't win his two out of three games he starts? And you know, most yeah. backup quarterbacks are gonna win zero or one of those. Yeah, he wins he wins two out of three. And of course, you know, I'll I'll say, well, okay, that was early enough in the year that you're still trying. You feel well, like sure, you know, maybe sure. maybe we can get to five hundred. This game against New Orleans meant absolutely nothing. And I've seen Lovey Smith. I was gonna say they did that to get James. Know- Lovey Smith did the same thing against New Orleans, said no, 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 no. They were up ten points on New Orleans and they they, you know, pulled everybody. I mean, they were they were playing, you know, the guy on the water cooler that uh, Bobby you know, Boucher bring... was coming in. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, and they they made sure they got the first overall pick and lost that damn game. And here's Jameis. The irony is, is that he he was gunning for the end zone. The Saints had all but clinched the division anyway. And he he's throwing a ball with no time on the clock and no timeouts all the way down the field when he should be just taking the pats in the flat, get out of bounds, and kick the field goal and go home. Uh, and damned if Chris Godwin didn't catch it and fight his way the last five years and score a touchdown. And that, folks, cost you one Bradley Chubb. <laughs> I mean, that's how franchises turn, right? What did it mean? What did that fifth win mean? But anyway, they lost it. So we'll see. I mean, you can't, it's hard to judge a draft right after the draft. But, I mean, obviously they all stand up there and say, well, here's the highest guy we had on the board. We'd have taken him number one, you know. Um, Everybody got I, their guy. 
There's not, there's not one general manager that didn't get their guy this weekend. At least yeah. that's what they'll tell you. That's what they'll tell you. Except that John Gruden got absolutely ripped for their draft in Oakland, man. It's so funny to me. It was kind of a weird draft, too. Like I He didn't was drafting it. like it was 19 or 2000, what, yeah. three, four, five. A lot of linemen, a lot of offense. All I know is we need some linemen, you know what I mean, man? I get criticized for that. I got Derek Carr back there, man. I got I got Donald Penn's got a bad knee, you know. So yeah, he was he was a little uh, he was a little hacked off, but he'll get over it. I'm sure they'll fire Reggie McKenzie and bring in a whole new staff. He'll I look at his checkbook and you know he'll get over yeah. it. Yeah, that's a good ten way to million do it. dollars later. Nothing wrong with that. So anyway, I think you know what with all that's going on, the lightning, the draft, the guys that have flown under the radar, although it's impossible to do because they're so hot right now, are the Tampa Bay Rays, man. I mean, a week ago, I was talking about the Carlos Gogo walk-off home run and, you know, the long trot and the Ray Lewis touching up home plate and all that and the people jumped him for, and I got tons of hate email. email. Uh, they have not lost until today since. Uh, they went on and won eight straight games, man. It's incredible. And, and had six uh, games they scored double or they scored eight runs or more. Six yeah, of those. Yeah, they did, they did it with the bats. They did it with the bats. Yeah, it's been it's it's all their bats are toasty at one time. It's been it's been impressive, and they've done it different ways too, offensively, and it's diff- different guys every game stepping up. Different guys every game, and you know, um, you know, certain guys like Daniel Robertson's been extremely hot. Um, you know, Gomez had another home run the other day. David Price got lit up. I mean they they took it to him and the and the or at Red Sox bullpen. Um, you know, and it, and and the power. I mean, this is the thing you didn't expect them to hit home runs. All of a sudden, they started knocking the ball out of the park a little bit. Nard Span has been terrific. He had an inside the park home run one day. Had another home run um, on uh, what was it Sunday? Uh, although they blew, you know, they blew a three to nothing lead. And part of this, Steve, is that you know, no sooner did they name Yanni Chirinos their fourth starter, that now he looks like a consummate bullpen guy. They can't go more than two innings. All of a sudden, yeah, his ball is not sinking. And that's that's his his game is ground ball outs and man the last three outings has been rough, um, so much so that Ryan Yarborough came in Saturday pitched really well looked good yeah and because of that he got sent down to the minors because they needed to call up fresh arms yeah they were I mean that's the thing you know like um, on this Sunday game that I'm watching you know I, they would have probably worked it a little bit differently but you know when you have that fourth day and, and, and your so-called starter uh, in Chirino only goes two innings and you, you burn through the other guys. And then you have the designated bullpen day. Um, you know, Andres, I thought, pitched okay. You know, I, I mean, they got by. Boy, speaking of pitching, though, can we uh, stop the calls, ladies and gentlemen? We have a winner. The ace of the staff is not Chris Archer. It's Blake Snow. All of a sudden, he's Sandy Koufax. <laughs> I mean, he's throwing great. He's what is he four and one now? Something yeah, well, like that. I, I like what Cash said, and in, in, you know, in the, after the game the other day, there was a play during the game when Blake Snell went to cover first. It was bad play, and runners advanced, and that would have been a play in the past that he would have fallen apart on. And, oh yeah, and, you know, things would have got away from him. The next batter would have walked or whatever, and Blake shut it down and stopped it. And that's what good pitchers do. That's what you know. You can't let. One Minimize play, the one damage. mistake. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. okay. Next batter up. Let me, you know, let's address this. You always, you know, 
an error leads to five runs because your pitcher all of a sudden can't throw strikes. And, you know, it happens so much in baseball. And Blake, you know, is figuring this out. And Kevin Cash even said, you know, last year, I don't know if he, if he gets out of that. Maybe he, I'd like to think he does, but I don't know if he does. But this year, you're showing he, he can. Did you, did you see what lengths that Cash went to going to not call him the A word? And I mean well, ace, not the well, other. What lengths did they go to not call Yanni Chirinos the fourth starter when he was starting? I know, but they finally at least they finally well, I know they, they finally, finally got did, there. But but it's it's so they don't piss off the other A word, which is Arch, right? Because how are you gonna tell that guy he's not the ace? He's the face of baseball. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of it. It's also, you know, some of it some people conspiracy theories will say it's financial. You well, know, maybe, you don't want to call yeah. him your ace because then Because the other A word arbitration comes into play. Well, sure. <laughs> so we got Archer, Arbitration, and Ace. And uh, that's AAA. I'll tell you what, man, that's AAA. You know what I mean? I love insurance. Um, but, you know, it's he he is he is commanding the fastball. It all starts with that. And, look, he, is, he throws four pitches, and they're all plus-plus pitches. You know, his curveball's great, slider's great, great, has a changeup. I mean, and he uses them uh, all efficiently. So, Good on Blake Snell. I guess, you know, he had this relationship go sour a year ago, and we've all kind of been there, you know, where your job kind of sucks and you don't eat much and you're lovesick or something like that. And apparently that's what we were witnessing uh, when he was melting down in front of our faces in the major leagues. But, man, he's come back with a vengeance. And, um, you know, I want to say it. He looks a lot like David Price did in the early days, really. Well, this is the potential that we've heard about from Blake Snell for several years now. Uh, and when he first came up, he showed flashes of it, but then struggled, as a lot of young pitchers do. Last year, yeah. you were hoping he would have figured it out and been better than he was. He had to be sent down the minor several times. But it seems like he's really figured it out now. And, and yeah. you know, most of that is mental. It's really not the physical part of it. It's the mental part of pitching. And, and he's really done a good job with that. Well, the Rays continue their series. They go to Detroit. And uh, your boy, Chris Archer, gets a chance to go out there and try to outdeal. Blake Snow, if he can. How about Daniel Robertson, alter utility man? Did you see what he can did pitch. Saturday? No, did you see what can he pit. did Saturday? He can pitch. He oh, plays, yeah. Oh, tied the a shoe. Lot of, and then he tied Eduardo Nunez's shoe. <laughs> no. It was so funny hearing that exchange. Apparently, uh, Nunez was like, hey, man, because, you know, they wear the oven mitts now. This is the you know this is the thing in baseball. No one can slide anymore. Well, Kevin Kiermeyer uh, just hurt his thumb doing it. Yeah, Kiermeyer should wear bubble wrap on his hands. Um, but yeah, he slides head first. So these guys get the first and they take off their elbow pads and their armor and, you know, all the stuff they have on their legs and whatnot. And then they put on the oven mitt, you know, to, to prevent them, I guess. I don't know if it's from jamming fingers. This thing is so long. There should be like a limit to how long this mitt can be. Cause basically you become like stretch Armstrong, you know, like your arm is, is really only 34 inches long until you put the oven mitt on and then it's like 42 um, so you can touch you can touch the bag before you normally would. But so um, to your point, he gets the he gets the second base and his shoes untied. And so rather you know games are slow enough, right? You'd have to take all this stuff off his hands to tie his shoes. So he asked Robertson. You know, at first he was like, "Hey man, really, dude? What? Huh?" <laughs> and they go, "All right, well." And then the umpire gave him props for that. Yeah, so the he umpire went down thanked and, him for pace of play yeah. to keep keep the game moving. Yeah, so, right. Daniel Robertson's the ultra utility guy. <laughs> he really is, man. It would have been funny if he like, I don't know, double knotted it or tied them. He should have tied them together. That's what. He That's what I would have done. I just said, okay, I'll tie your shoes, and then like both of me falls over. <laughs> that would have been more fun. But uh, but yeah, so he did. It. He did a little bit of all of it. But 
I, I tell you what, they're swinging bats. They've impressed me. I, I'm. I think I told you a week ago, exactly a week ago, on this podcast, I said I'm starting to really like this team. I like the vibe. I like. I like who they who they think they are and who they almost want to be. And um, and you know the thing that people overlook. Uh, I'll say it again: is that you know they don't have the lineup the Yankees have or even the Red Sox. But by God, these guys. This is every one of these guys are dreamers. Every one of these guys are. This is their careers, and and they'll be damned if they're going to get this opportunity and not take advantage of it. And if you get enough guys like that that are talented and and driven and you know work good at bats and don't have big egos and listen to their coaches and you know do all the things the process because it's always the process that you hear about. Um, next thing you know, the worm turns and they're scoring eight runs a game. I mean, look, they haven't won eight in a row since two thousand and fourteen. They have never scored eight runs in a game, five straight games, like ever. So, I mean, they're doing things that you would never predict the Rays to do, much less this team. Well, not only that, but they're two, what twelve and fourteen. They're two games below five hundred now. They've played After seven a three and twelve yeah, start. They've played yeah. seven one-run games against Boston, and they've only won one of those. Right. You win a couple more of those, and it's a whole different season already. It really is, and yet. I've always said this. If you can hang around 500, take your chances in uh, September, pull away a couple games over, and you're there. Absolutely. Just keep winning series. That's all they did. Just keep winning series. They, yeah. they took two or three from Boston. That's all you need to do. That's all you got to do, man. And you, you dent into those guys a little bit, and they got to beat each other. And the next thing you know, if you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and the Tigers are one of those teams, and they should go into Detroit, have a chance to win that series, a puncher's chance for sure. Uh, and then come back home and, and, and uh, keep it going. So been fun watching them. I, I'm glad that baseball is uh, – I you know, look, I'm the guy that kept screaming they're going to lose 100, and maybe they will. But uh, it was it was not – not only were they losing, it was not entertaining baseball. It was bad. They weren't doing anything right. And they still – they still haven't really settled out the bullpen. But I still think a lot of that, Steve, is just that, you know, they have these two days that are sort of, you know, bullpen days, even though Chirinos has been named a starter. And – I think that's going to catch up to them. Those guys are, are going to really chew up through a lot of innings. And, you know, I think in time, it's we'll see. It's a grand experiment, but I don't think it's going to help them down the road. But we'll see how far they can carry it. So the Rays, uh, as I mentioned, they have the series, of course, uh, against the Tigers tonight. Chris Archer on the mound. And then it's game two of the Stanley Cup NHL playoffs. You have, you know, the Lightning trying to bounce back from that 6-2 loss to the Boston Bruins. They have to get this one. This is a big one for them before they uh, take the series to Boston and a chance to even that up 1-1. So we'll have all of that uh, for you tomorrow as well as a story that I want you to check out on TampaBay.com. I posted it uh, very early, actually, this morning. Uh, it's about to what lengths people will go to react to the draft and just how nutty people are. Uh, Jason Light, the Bucks security team, is investigating uh, what was just a, an awful tweet sort of directed at Jason Light. Well, it's hard to describe. It's ba- basically a, 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 a gif of, of a movie scene where, you know, someone gets, you know, <laughs> gets blown away. It's, it's unbelievable what people will put out there on Twitter and not think twice about it. I talked to this guy who actually did tweet this, and you have to read this story on Tampa Bay dot com uh, something that you won't really believe so anyway we appreciate you guys joining us here we're here monday through friday to talk about your tampa bay sports and of course lots going on with the way the lightning are playing and the rays and more on the nfl and and the bucks draft 
and you know they're going to have their mini camp uh, in another week. But we got lots of stories this week to talk about with these draft picks. So we want you to do this if you can every day. We want you to interact with us as well. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud or online at rstroud at tampabay.com. Please rate and review this podcast. Where can they do that, Steve? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, maybe you're listening on Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud, you can rate and review it there. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports, get the latest headlines, listen to the podcast, and leave your comments there too. It's a big day in Tampa Bay sports, the Lightning, the Bruins, and, of course, your Tampa Bay Rays all in action. So we'll talk to you tomorrow. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 